Hello, my friends. Welcome. Let's talk today about COVID-19. I had something else planned for today, but I think it's time for us to talk about how we deal with fear and grief and anger and bad things. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so I had something else ready to go today, uh, planned out, ready to launch, and I'm going to put that on hold. I'm thinking that it's time we talk about COVID-19, and you might be thinking, Joe, what are you talking about? Talk about COVID-19. It's all my friends talk about. It's all my Facebook's about. It's all anybody's hearing about. It's on our minds constantly. Uh, I don't know about you, but I suddenly have uh, virus experts, friends. I didn't know it. They're doing like other jobs, like, you know, other things. And, and as far as I understand, becoming a virologist is, is really expensive in training and education. And yet I have a ton of friends who are experts on it. And like most expert positions, uh, they disagree. I, I have friends who are constitutional experts now. And I have friends who are spinning this for their own political ideology on both sides of the aisle. And it's maddening. And then on top of all that, I have four kids. I have... Uh, parents and in-laws that are in the uh, high-risk age. I have people that I worry about that are in the high-risk age uh, or or categories. Um, And I have opinions about what is going on and, and, and things that... And I'm not finding a lot of places where actual conversation is warranted or wanted. What I'm finding is a lot of places where... Amen corners are wanted. Just agree. Whatever side it's on, whoever the poster is, whoever the person is that's saying it, just agree with them. Or And one person actually said, I needed to leave a... I actually had someone tell me I needed to leave a support and information group because if people didn't agree with them, they had a lynch mob mentality. And that's a pretty strong statement. Uh, lynch mob mentality, lynch mobs conjure up immediately distressing mental pictures about our our past as a country. And and so that might not be a word picture that I would use, but I did feel that it was apropos to paint a picture in my mind about what that person was feeling. And then there's the concerns about, am I going to be able to pay my bills? I, I have friends that their businesses are shut down by just the governor said, oh, you can't be open anymore. And so now they can't be open. They can't make money. How do they pay their bills? How do they feed their kids? And there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of grief. My high school junior is completely stressed about, what about the money I paid for my AP exams? What about my classes? Uh, what, What if they cancel school? How do I go into next year prepared to be a senior? Which brings up all the seniors this year who've had their spring sports canceled. Played baseball for the last four years. Pretty good at your high school. Probably not gonna play college, sorry. Too bad, so sad. Uh, I read an article about a team. I don't even remember where, but they were the best team in the history of the school. They had just won the last game by 49 points to go to the either the state semifinals or something like that. The first time in the history of the school, 
And look, I get it. Sports in the grand scheme of things don't matter. And when you pit sports against school, it doesn't matter. I Or against life. I get that. I'm not arguing that. Please don't lose, uh, you know, where I'm trying to go with this. I'm not, I, I'm not even, I don't even want to get into a discussion about the rightness or wrongness of it. I just want us to recognize that people are grieving and it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. It's even okay for people to think that this is an over-response, that, it, that, it's, that it's overreactive. People, one of the things that we are doing is, is we are now coming to the place where we attack people verbally and economically when they disagree with our positions. Because every position we have is a moral position. And we have to step back from that a little bit. In a time like this, I have a friend, I mean, maybe not a friend, that's probably too strong a term, but someone I knew in college who lives in, I believe, Chile, uh, her son is in North Carolina going to high school and he graduates in a month and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to travel because of this situation to, uh, to, to they're not going to be able to travel to his graduation, which might not even be held. It might literally be like a, hey, congratulations, you graduated, we'll mail you your diploma. And, and you know, when she posted that on Facebook, and, and let's be honest right now in this time of social isolating, what's going on is, is a lot of Facebook posts and, and fear is bubbling out of people. Grief is bubbling out of people. And she put it up that she was grieving. People went crazy. Like they just attacked her. And then some of them deleted their comments and some people were supportive, but we've got to step back from this idea that if somebody's grieving something they lost because of this, well, that's just the way it is. We've got to step back from that idea. There's, there, there's two predominant emotions that I see running right now, and we don't do a very good job as a country in dealing with them, and that is fear and grief. And the problem is that, that fear and grief are typically secondary emotions, uh, excuse me, uh, are, are predominantly primary emotions that are covered up with the secondary emotion of anger. And certainly you see that in our country right now, and it isn't new to this crisis. Uh, it's it's the same thing that happened during you know the Trump election during that entire campaign cycle. It, it's been building for years, but but one of the things that we have to start considering is we have such a narrow definition of anger. Well, if I didn't throw anything out a window, if I didn't punch a wall, if I didn't scream and cuss names, I wasn't angry. Or We've bought into this righteous anger thing. Even my most ardent atheistic friends have bought into this idea of righteous anger where it's okay for me to attack somebody. It's okay for me to yell at someone. It's okay for me to swear at someone because my anger is righteous. It's not okay. Especially when we're talking about people grieving things like, I'm not going to get to see my son graduate. My son isn't going to get graduate going to be able to graduate in public. My daughter's entire softball season was canceled. My daughter's afraid that she might not be prepared to be a freshman in college next year. My teacher friends are uncertain how online learning is going to work. My restaurant friends are not sure how they're going to pay their bills because they can't work for the next two weeks. And even when they can work, what's that going to look like? Are people going to come back or is there going to be more restrictions on how many people can gather? And so earlier this week, I wrote a post about how we can respond to it for us internally. I listed out seven things that I think are important for us to consider 
as we, you know, just deal with this crisis. Today, I want to talk about how do we respond to the people who aren't handling the crisis well. If you want more information on those seven things, I'll give them to you really quickly here. The first one is limit your media exposure. You don't, very few people need to be on a news site all day long. Be careful, like even in like community chatter pages for Facebook, community support groups for Facebook. I'm a member of a lot of those. And there is a lot of fear and misinformation being presented in those groups. So limit your, your media exposure, even social media. Uh, get off Facebook. And, and, you know, look, I like Facebook. Facebook to me is free entertainment. It's like cable TV that I don't have to pay for. But be careful. Limit, limit your exposure. Please don't engage in fear shaming. We're actually going to talk about this one in this episode. But don't engage in fear shaming. Don't shame someone because they're afraid or they're grieving differently than you or because they have a different opinion than you. Work to be informed and accept that rarely does information come without an agenda. It rarely happens that you don't get information without somebody's bias, without somebody's spin. That might just be human nature that we tend to spin things. We, we tend to infect the information we share with bias. Whatever it is, we just have to accept that that's a reality. Take common sense precautions. Like this one, you know, of all the memes that I've seen, I've seen some really funny ones. I've seen some sad ones. The one that made me last the most, most was, you know, and I'm quoting here, not to brag or anything, but I was into hand washing before there was a potential pandemic. So take common sense precautions. Talk to your kids. This one's really important. Talk to your kids because this might be the scariest one of all for all of you, but I promise you, Especially in states like my state, we've shut down school for four weeks. That's a month where people aren't allowed to go sit in restaurants. They're not allowed to go sit in coffee shops. People are posting all of this stuff about like, don't let your kids go to the movies. Don't do this. Don't do that. Your kids are scared. And you might say, well, Joe, I'm scared. I get it. I'm not going to lie. I've had fear. But you got to talk to your kids. You got it. You've got to normalize their fear. You've got to let them know that it's okay for them to feel whatever emotion it is they're feeling. And here's a little side note for for parents of kids that are younger. They probably don't have the vocabulary to express what they're feeling, and so they might express it in, in ways that we would call acting out. And, and that's okay. Honestly, it's a great opportunity for you as a parent to ignore their acting out and to talk to the underlying emotions that are driving that fear. Live your life. When I'm done making this recording, I'm going to go for a walk at a local park because I can't go to the gym. I get it. So I'm going to go to the park. I'm doing push-ups at home. Uh, I might do some boxing at home, you know, those types of things. Do what you can to get your regular things in. I'm still reading, driving RC cars with my son, uh, talking to my daughters. We're still living our lives. And then consider talk therapy. And I'm going to, cons- you know, obviously I'm a proponent of this. I'm going to suggest this for people who are trying to deal with how do I deal with just my reaction to this, this issue? And then how do I deal with other people's reactions to the issue? Consider talk therapy. I am obviously a proponent of this. Our offices are staying open. Um, we are a medical facility, so we have a waiver from all of the restrictions that have at least currently been handed down. And we believe that it is vitally important for us to remain open to to offer services at this time because I think beyond the physical uh, 
stress and the physical threat, there is a high emotional and mental toll that is going on right now. And the threat to our emotional well-being is high. So those seven steps, you can find that on my webpage, joemartino.com. Uh, it's in my blog. Go to joemartino.com. Click on the, the blog tab. You can read that if you want, if you find value in it. I go into each step a little bit more there. What I want to talk to you about today, though, is how do we handle the people around us and how do we handle those two emotions, fear and grief? And if we get, I've got a couple other points that if we have time, we're going to get to as well. Before we dig into fear and grief, one of the things that we have to understand is our human nature to understand and control what's going on around us. By nature, as humans, we want to understand and control what's going on around us. This is one of the biggest causes of, of dysfunction in relationships. Alexander the Great, if you ever get the chance to read uh, things that he wrote, uh, there, there are journals that have been translated and those types of things throughout the years. One of the things that he is credited with saying is that it is man's fear of losing control that often keeps them from greatness. And Alexander the Great certainly had some issues. Man was one heck of a military mind and, and a leader. But I do believe that's true. And one of the things that's going on right now is we don't know what to believe. Literally, just now, I took a break from recording. See, you didn't even know. But I took a break from recording, and I was scrolling down through Facebook. A friend of mine sent me a message. Hey, look at this. So I was reading it, and I'm not kidding you. Right underneath it was a post that completely contradicted all of the information from the post that my friend sent me. And both were, were claiming to be rooted in expert knowledge. And so what that tells me, and I think what that tells most people, is we don't know what's going on. We don't really, are, are, we're not sure, uh, by and large, most people don't trust the government, I, I don't think, to, to solve problems. They want to, but when stuff comes out, I mean, certainly people are like, oh, well, look at this pandemic and that epidemic and this outbreak. And then somebody's like, well, those are different because, and then somebody else is like, no, they're not different because, and we don't know. And so what happens is, is our brain wants to make sense of it. Our brain wants to fill in the gaps of our knowledge. And so we engage in, in one of two biases. Typically, one is confirmation bias, and the other one is self-serving bias. And if you don't know what these are, look them up. Uh, they're, they're really fascinating responses to a lack of knowledge. As you can probably tell from their names, confirmation bias means we seek out information that confirms our own bias. Self-serving bias is we seek out information that serves us. In times like these, we're even more vulnerable to these types of biases because we, we want to make sense of it. And, and it takes energy and mental capacity and mental energy to sort through the information and figure it out and to live in the tension of, I don't really know. And if you're like me, like, you know, we're a medical company. We're still open. We're still seeing clients. I'm still seeing my clients. I've had one client cancel because of this situation. The rest have all seen me. On top of that, I've got to manage the company and how do we respond to this? What are the things that we need to create so that we can post them for people? What are the things that we need to send to clients so that they have information about us and how we're responding to it? And on top of that, I've got to do all my normal business running activities. And almost all of my de-stressing activities have somehow been limited, either because of time constraints, facilities shutting down, etc. And so I've got to come up with new ones, which requires more brain energy. And, and so as we dive into this and we start to get afraid, we start to feel grief, we start to feel fear, we just want information that confirms what we think. So, oh, all these CEOs are stepping down. That's proof that this is a conspiracy. Uh, somebody told me that WHO wasn't going to declare a pandemic until 
uh, July or June because they had an investment fund that needed to make X amount of dollars. Somebody else told me that who highly overestimated, grossly overestimated the, uh, the, the number of deaths, the number of infections. Someone else told me that this proves that God doesn't exist because if he existed, why would he do this? Someone else told me that God does exist. Uh, this proves it because he's punishing us for fill in the blank. We're stuck in not knowing what's going on and our fear and our grief is bubbling up. And the only response that we've conditioned ourselves to have to those is anger. And, and certainly that predates this situation, but we need to talk about how do we change that. And one of the ways that we change that is we offer people grace. There's a lot of talk about people who are like, oh, well, I, I just think that we need to have differing opinions. And they're all for it until somebody actually offers an opinion that's different than theirs. I think in part that is because in order to actually engage differing opinions, you have to have grace for people. You have to be able to uh, engage them and say, okay, tell me about what's going on. You have to try to understand where they're coming from. And that's very difficult, especially when we're already afraid, when we're already grieving. So when you find people that are grieving, that doesn't mean that they don't care about people. That's the most uncharitable, ungracious response that I've seen, and I've seen it a lot. People are like, how am I going to pay my bills? And somebody writes, well, would you rather people die? Like, that's insanity. They're not saying they'd rather people die. They're trying to understand how they're going to pay their bills, and they're trying to process their own fear and their own grief. And grace creates a space for people to have those emotions. One of the things that is sorely lacking right now is a space for people to have a disagreement, to have a response that is different than one that we find comforting. Comforting. If we're going to really come together as a country, we have to have grace for people to have different opinions than us. We have to have the opportunity for somebody to say, I think this is overblown. And you can be like, no, I don't agree with that. And engage the conversation. This need isn't new. I think this issue, this situation is just highlighting it. It's just making it more uh, more brought to the surface, if you will. And so the next time that you are frustrated with someone, you're mad at someone, I want you to ask yourself a question. I wonder what they're grieving. I wonder what they're afraid of. I wonder what anxiety is running in them. And how might I utilize grace to respond to them? How might I show them grace to help them Maybe feel just a little bit better for just a few moments. How might I give them grace instead of grief? Because we're grieving. And if we're going to come together, we have to partake in each other's grief. Someone once wrote that we should carry each other's burdens. And I, I can't tell you how important that is. As you look at people, often the thing that is frustrating us is because it sits on our own pain. It sits on our own fears. It sits on our own uh, uh, hurts. And so we have to recognize that and offer them grace. We need to stop looking for offense. And this is happening. It's been happening. We've just been looking for offense. We need to stop. And we need to come to the place where we seek agreement. And so it, it doesn't take much grace and, and empathy to say to someone, you know what, I'm really sorry. That, that's terrible. I have a friend who lost his job like the day that our governor here in Michigan announced that she was shutting down schools. He lost his job. It's very difficult for him to find uh, how to get a job, right? How do you go interview if you're not supposed to be around people, if businesses are shut down? 
And and he's like, well, I'm not afraid. I'm angry. And I said, well, you know, that's typically a secondary emotion. What do you think is your primary emotion? And he said, well, I don't know, maybe sadness. It could be, could be. But it, it doesn't take anything for me to say, man, that sucks. I'm sorry that you lost your job. And to just sit there in the discomfort of not knowing about his future with him for a few minutes. That's empathy and grace, and they have power. So I encourage you today, as you go about your day, if you're stuck at home, quarantined, or, or social isolated, or whatever that is, and you interact with people, first of all, if you're afraid, it's okay. If you interact with people who are afraid, it's okay, and it's okay for you to tell them, hey, you know what? I'm sorry that you're afraid, or I'm sorry that you're grieving. That sucks. And just live there with them for a few minutes. There is power in that. Uh, if you do want therapy, if you live local, if you live in the state of Michigan, we can see you via telehealth, which is a video chat. Feel free to call our office, 616-481-3784. And it's just like, think about, it's like Skype for a mental health counseling session. Or our offices do remain open. We have some guidelines on how we can utilize our offices. So we ask, you know, different things that you can find on our website. But if you're coming and it's just one person coming for an appointment, please don't bring people with you. That type of thing. Our public bathrooms are closed in part because of the TP shortage. E even that, and I know I'm doubling back here. You're not supposed to, this is bad podcasting protocol. But you think about, you know, people hoarding toilet paper. I get it. It's frustrating. I've been, in the, I've been into the grocery stores locally four or five times looking for toilet paper, and I haven't found any. But most of them are hoarding because they're afraid. Most of them are buying it because they're afraid that something's going to happen and they're going to run out, that people are going to stop shipping things. And I get that. That is frustrating, and that is scary, and that is sad. It doesn't, you know, it, it's still frustrating to me to not be able to buy toilet paper. Yes, you could even argue, well, it's still selfish. I, I probably wouldn't argue that. And at the same time, we can live in the balance of there is fear there, and I can partake in sitting with them in their fear, and at the same time be like, and at the same time, dude, you don't need 500 rolls of toilet paper. Without calling them names, without sending vitriol their way, without lambasting them. So because of the TP shortage and just trying to keep up with the cleaning and sanitizing processes, we're, we've had to close some of our public restrooms at our locations. But you are more than welcome to come in. We are open. We want to help people. We really believe that our business is a calling and that it is our calling to help people, especially in times of crisis like this. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.